This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch, Managing Editor at Pop Sugar. And I'm Zreen Siddiqui, Director of Partnerships at Pop Sugar. On this week's episode, we're diving into Becky's brain. What? Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. But we are diving into Bo Burnham's brain, specifically talking about um, the new Netflix special that he has called Inside that you encouraged me to watch. Yes. Bo, Bo Burnham's brain has been on my brain a lot recently, um, as anyone who I've spoken to now, no, it's been on my mind. Um, but before we get into that, something else that's been on my mind is my not over it for the week, which is why are people putting mustard on watermelon? Oh, my God. I hate this. I hate that. Why? You, I, I, I hate that you showed it to me. I hate that I have knowledge of it. I just became aware of this trend. I guess this started on TikTok at the beginning of May, where this very enthusiastic person was putting French's yellow mustard all over his watermelon and claiming it's delicious and is so excited about it to the point where I believe he has to be trolling. It matches so well with the watermelon, he says. Why do we put in condiments on fruit? No, we're all allowed outside of our houses now. So what's still happening with the food experiments? No, Go. who even who thinks about this? Who's I, I don't know. And then Lizzo had to do it. So then that gave it a whole new life. of. Well, now it's got a stamp of approval. Now everyone should do it. Watermelon is delicious on its own and keep your condiments and your fruit separate. And that's all I have to say about that. Disgusting. This is why people hate America. This is the ultimate, the ultimate why are we like this? On that note, Serene, what's your not over it? On that note, a, a reason that, well, I guess this isn't the reason that we love America, but something that we love about America is Meryl Streep. I found out this week that um, Grace Gummer, Meryl Streep's daughter, is engaged to Mark Ronson, who I guess they've been dating since September of this year. But then I went in this weird black hole of just searching his dating history, and he's also been engaged to Rashida Jones. And I'm now sort of just like, who is Mark Ronson and where did he come from and has he... It's just confusing. I didn't know he was British. I didn't know he was 45. Did you know his sister was Samantha Ronson? Remember when she dated Lindsay Lohan? Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Did you know his other sister, Charlotte Ronson? No, I don't know her. The former designer? Is she current designer? She was a designer. They're twins. Oh, God. Wait, so you've just been unaware of the whole Ronson family? I guess, yeah. The only I only identify... Like Mark Ronson with that Bruno Mars song. That's it. I I have no like idea who he is outside of that. What? That's Mark the only Ronson. song. Yeah, I guess. It, no, but then searching, it's not, like you've now realized that you. Yes, you now realize you know a lot of Mark Ronson songs. Yeah, I had no idea he'd worked with like Amy Winehouse. And anyways, it just. I think mostly I'm just not over the fact that Mark 
Ronson now gets to spend Christmas and Thanksgiving with Meryl Streep, and that just feels so unfair. <laughs> so you're jealous of Mark Ronson. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I'm not over this week. <laughs> well, they did keep this um, very secretive. I think a lot of people were taken aback by this news. Good for them. Let's talk about Bo Burnham and his new Netflix special. So Bo Burnham, for those of us who don't know, uh, is a comedian, but also a writer, but also a director, but also he wrote a book and has done some poetry, but is best known for becoming one of the very first people to become famous on YouTube. When he was a teenager, he posted a video of an original song that he wrote that's actually about his whole family thinking he's gay. My whole family thinks I'm gay. I guess it's always been that way. Maybe it's because of the way that I walk makes them think I like boys. Which I think, you know, we can get to that later, but he has some mixed feelings about now. But that video went viral, and then his career has really just taken off from there. And mostly he's known for his stand-up specials and comedy. But in 2016, after he put out his last Netflix special, Make Happy, he said that he was having panic attacks on stage while he was performing and that he was going... I don't know if he said specifically, like, I'm never coming back, but was sort of like, I'm taking a break from comedy and performing stand-up. And then since that time, he put out uh, the movie Eighth Grade that he wrote and directed. And he recently was in Promising Young Woman, Um, But now, a couple months ago, he just announced on his Instagram that he had made a special uh, in the past year while we were all locked down in quarantine. And it was going to be released on Netflix with, you know, there was no promotion, like no fanfare, just I made this thing. You haven't seen me make anything for five years. And here it is. If you'd have told me a year ago that I'd be locked inside of my I have to be honest, like Bo Burnham has forever just been the guy that made fun of Bieber on Conan to me like 900 years ago. And I thought, I really like him. He's funny. And I basically like uh, sort of imply that he's working for Satan or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Little shout out to Justin. How's Satan? Yeah, Um, that's great. And then I proceeded to ignore him for the following like 20 years again. Like he's always just been that guy, like even halfway into watching this special, you and I loved Promising Young Woman and we talked about it endlessly. And I'm pretty sure it took me a half hour into watching this special to realize, oh shit, yeah, he's in this movie. Right. Well, and he's not, he's cute in that movie, but he's, he's not def- yeah. the reason, yeah. Um, he's not not the reason why I like that movie, but he wasn't, the takeaway wasn't like, oh my God, I love this movie so much because of Bo Burnham. It was, no, you know, but he's just like forever the, that guy. He's like, oh yeah, that one guy. That one guy. Well, so let's talk about um, this new special called Bo Burnham Inside where the general, very general overview theme is that he put together this quote unquote comedy special inside this room that's clearly his guest guest house slash studio. He wasn't actually living in this room the whole time, but the entire special takes place within this room. It is about so many things. It's really about all the things. It's um, it's basically his entire experience from the pandemic, which feels like, but then also he's touching on truly everything that a person's brain can touch on at any point during their life, which is also exhausting to go through. But it's also his comedy is, you know, always very 
self-aware, very meta, very self-referential. So a lot of it is about him creating this special, but the process of him as an artist, like watching himself create this special and the overanalyzation and what's going on in his brain. So it's like he's literally inside this room, but it's also inside his brain, all of our brains and what's happening in there and kind of the insanity of what's happening there. Trying to be funny and stuck in a room There isn't much more to say about it Well, I think that's why it's like so triggering for some people and that's also the confusion there of is this really a comedy special? Because A, it's, I mean, it's just a lot of songs so maybe we're used to a comedy special being just straight up stand-up. So to class when I'm describing this to people where I'm like, yeah, it's a comedy special. But then when someone watches it and they're like, I don't do songs. It's like, I know. But like if you did just for a second, just like for a second, you get it. Literally, we turn it on. It says TVMA and then it says suicide. You're like, oh, OK. So even if you've seen Bo Burnham's comedy before, I still don't think people were fully prepared for how deep he went on themes of anxiety and depression and mental health. And I mean, he talks about like casually mentions killing himself like four or five times at least. I mean, and to your point, I mean, some of it's in comedy. One of one of his songs is about turning 30. And at the end, he's like, then I'll turn 40 and I'll just kill myself. <laughs> God, I know. Um, it's so dark. But it also is sort of showing the, a perceived passing of time in this past year, you know, that we all went through during lockdown and, you know, his hair is getting longer, his beard's getting longer, his mental health is slowly deteriorating over time. Yeah. And it it takes you back into that place of of being in lockdown where literally the only thing we had was the internet. So one of his songs called like Welcome to the Internet or whatever. And when he's talking about all the things that are available and it's like, truly we had nothing to do with ourselves except just be online and and consume this insane amount of content that was almost like deteriorating our brains even more and we were stuck inside. So it did kind of take you into a weird place just watching him sing on that piano, listing all the shit that's on the internet constantly where he's like, do you want to tweet something funny or do you want to tweet about racial justice or or a racial slur, and you're just like, oh my God, this was literally all of last year. This is all I experienced, like sitting on my couch, not doing anything. Welcome to the internet. What would you prefer? Would you like to fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur? Be happy, be horny, be bursting with rage. We got a million different ways to engage. And it's presented in this very dark carnival barker voice where he's like, you should build a bomb. Like, he says, you should kill your mom. He says, you should, here's how to build a bomb and you should kill your mom. So that's, I mean, this is where he's towing the line between tragedy and comedy, so to speak. You know, some of the other songs that are about being on the internet are straight up just like, you know, they they could be SNL skits, like Lonely Eye, like things you see on SNL, like FaceTime right. with my mom and White Woman's Instagram, but they all go a little bit deeper or a little bit smarter. And the more times you watch them, the more you notice different aspects of it that sort of brings a humanity to it. So it's really combining straight comedy where the first time you're just like, oh, this is hilarious. And you watch it again and then you're like, oh, this is sort of serious. Like this is sort of sad. Like in this whole entire song about sexting where he's like talking about trading emojis back and forth and everything. But then when you notice he's like the backdrop of him has all these words on it. And if you pause it, the words are just like 
an entire dialogue about consent. It's right. Like, oh, I just want to make sure you're comfortable and like I don't want to do anything you don't want to do and like all these other <laughs> things. So he's has a lot. There's all these like little Easter eggs, hidden meetings, and everything also, which makes it. This also that that also just makes it a harder like who do you recommend to watch this which I know we were talking about but it's like I I could only recommend this to like specific people that wouldn't question my sanity if I did tell them to watch it because like mostly if I told my mom to watch this I think she'd fly out to New York and like make me enter some program of like why are you watching <laughs> this over and over again <laughs> yeah well I, I have found now that they've started to release some clips of it online I find a clip that I know will resonate with the person. So for you, I tried a few on you. It took me a few. At first, I was just like, please watch this. And you were like, I'm busy. And then I was like, (laughs) "Okay, how can I lure her into watching this? I didn't initially want to send you any clips of it because I kind of wanted you to go into it cold. But then I became impatient. And (laughs) I, I tried sending you a couple of instagrams but you were like haha that's funny and then i think where i really got you <laughs> was with turning 30 where he says all my stupid friends are having stupid children and that's yeah where you that's the first time you felt seen by bo burnham i'm turning 30 and now my stupid friends are having stupid children my stupid friends are having stupid children no offense to all my friends. I don't think your children are stupid, but you guys are having a lot of them. But it, it was the board in 1990 for you. Yeah, I just felt the yeah, I just felt really relatable. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's me. It's me he's talking about. Yeah, I was born in 1990. Now I'm turning 30. God, God damn it. And also just like watching that clip with which we also talked about the lighting over. He's just standing in a room and he keeps doing these like weird um, strobe lights where it's like purple and then he hits something on his foot and it's like a white spotlight and he's just sitting there in his underwear and you're like what's going on well that's also what's incredible about it that i really got more of the second time i watched it was all the he did all of this by himself so he wrote it directed produced it and pretty much everything entirely alone so all the lighting all the production on it and Again, like it's just him in this room the whole entire time, but he really does an incredible job playing with different lighting, different settings in white woman's Instagram. He has a billion props. Oh my God. Like I know. so many different props that it's, he really, the dedication is insane. That's, that's actually a good place to pause. And when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about the actual content and what the general reactions have been. We can kick it off with the white woman's Instagram. Let's do it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So obviously we're both in agreement that we think this is just like an incredible work of art that we both do find funny in addition to being relatable and sad, even if other people don't think it's so funny. But what's also interesting is the amount of conversations that have sparked on social media after this came out, because he himself has not said anything about it. He has not given any interviews about it. He has not answered any questions. So there's just been arguments on social media. I have been very into deep, deep comment holes on YouTube and TikTok of people literally fighting over what the intentions are behind certain songs or what he was trying to do. I know there's been a lot of talk about white woman's Instagram. White woman, a white woman's Instagram. Latte foam art, tiny pumpkins. Yeah, people are not. Well, I mean, some people are happy with it and other people are like, should we be celebrating this? Why is a man doing it? This is misogynistic. Um, But he also does it in a way where it's still like, you know, he's trolling. Obviously, you know, the lyrics are like an avocado, a novel, a couple holding hands. Is this heaven or a white woman's Instagram? (laughs) So it's like it's it's funny like obviously he's trolling but then there is an instance where he also reminds us that they're human mama i miss you i miss sitting with you in the front yard still figuring out how to keep living without you so i don't think it's all malicious and i also don't feel it's misogynistic but that also could just be me like really leaning into the the song with bo burnham and being like you're correct this is exactly you're just like get on the train until he's proven to be a cannibal, we're here for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. And I think that sort of describes a lot of his work in general, that it's presented as a certain way where at the beginning you think he's just, you know, making fun of the common things that we have all seen on many Instagrams. And that doesn't mean it's bad. But even when he shot it, the whole thing, the the screen sort of, is presented as an Instagram square and then it sort of opens up when it gets into this more serious aspect where he's describing an Instagram post about this woman's mom who died and it's like very sincere and goes on for quite some time to really make the point. Perhaps, perhaps the point is that this is actually a person who, you know, there's more to them than just what they're presenting on Instagram. That being said, it could also be argued that it's, showing how everything that they post is so calculated, including these deep heartfelt tributes where you're like, why is this on social media? It's also been interesting to me to see the arguments of people. Uh, some people don't actually have an issue with him making fun of what's, what is quote unquote a white woman's Instagram. They just have a problem with the fact that he's a man saying it where it's like, they agree with the content. They just don't like that. He's the one that's doing it. So it's like, so you agree. You think I'm really pretty. You know, right. Well, I mean, I think that's always going to be and look, they're not wrong. One of the first things that I thought about and a lot of the arguments are like this wouldn't this wouldn't be getting as much praise if a woman had done it. And straight up, if a woman. Let's just say like tangentially a woman 
made this exact thing or something very similar to it. If a woman is up there singing songs when she hasn't groomed herself or taken a shower or put any makeup on or is trying to show what she looks like at her most raw and vulnerable, it's highly unlikely that people are going to respond to that and accept it and be like, oh my God, she's beautiful and I see feel so seen. And like, even though he, uh, during parts of this, it's like, look how haggard he's supposed to look. We're all just like, ooh, he's... It's kind of hot, like kind of into that beard or like, oh, like so it's like there's a lot of body in this. Like he takes no, his yeah. pants off and um, or specifically if it's like a woman singing in her underwear, it's like, oh, OK. Like, right. What is she trying to do for him? It's coming off as endearing. But if a woman did it, did it, I don't think it would be received as this endearing like, oh, look, he's having he's clearly having a mental breakdown. But this is so artistic and great. If a woman did this, I think it would be like, wow, she seems insane. She should get some help. Right, or she's vapid, she's annoying, all these things. So fun so fun to be a woman. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, and that's the other thing, too, that a lot of people talk about is that he constantly, ta- you know, with a level of self-awareness, or the, um, one of the first songs in the specials is about, um, about making comedy during a time like this. Should I be joking at a time like this? But it's like, do people, you know, really need more from a straight white man? Like, maybe I should just shut the fuck up. And he's like, I'm bored. I don't want to do that. And then, <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole thing is about, like, healing the world with comedy, which is also a recurring theme through a lot of his work, which is, you know, towing the line between, like, real world issues and making fun of them. And also, like, do, do we need to be listening to this voice? And then I think the argument is... Is his does his his self awareness excuse the fact that he is still out here doing it, and and we're listening to it and responding to it. I'm a special kind of white guy. I self reflected and I wanna be an agent of change. So I am gonna use my privilege for the good. Very cool way to go. I do think it's not, but it's not meant to be consumed isolated. Like just listen to a white woman's Instagram by itself. Maybe like I can understand why people would be upset, but it's like this entire body of work. If you keep going down further, you know, he has a song called Problematic where he's like addressing the fact that he grew up in an overwhelming, overwhelmingly white neighborhood. And he used to like, you know, go to church every Sunday. And he, when he was young, he was making comedy as a sheltered kid. And he says like, I said offensive shit. Father, please forgive me for what I said. I grew up as your usual suburbanite A tiny town in Massachusetts Overwhelmingly white I went to church on Sundays in a suit and a tie And spent my free time watching Family Guy I started doing comedy when I was just a sheltered kid I wrote offensive shit and I said it Father, please forgive me for I did not realize what I did Or that I'd live to regret it So it's... I I can get the frustration, but I also feel like you can't judge any single song by itself because it's an entire body of work. So when you get to other parts of it, then you're kind of like, okay, well, he's like self, to your point, he's self-aware enough to like realize all the stupid shit he's done too, where he's singing about how he was dressed up as Aladdin, but he didn't, you know, paint himself brown, but it's probably still not okay or whatever. So I don't think it's as... I don't know. To me, it's okay because I don't think it's an isolated thing. It's supposed to be consumed as an entire body of work, and that's how you should be consuming it, despite, like, the random clips floating around on the internet. Well, also, my takeaway from this isn't let's not give credit where credit's due for something that we think is really interesting, introspective, entertaining, thoughtful, and just, like, creative in a way that blows our minds 
like it doesn't have to come at the cost of also trying to give more women a platform to be funny and have their work recognized. Like it doesn't have to be a one or another right thing. Yeah. Like what should he like dedicate his whole entire life to something else because he's a man? I like that's the part that I don't really I don't really yes. know what people want. Yes, he should only talk about <laughs> all of his comedy specials should just be him listing other women that are trying to get into comedy. That's it. That's how he can help. I think he made up that Aladdin story, but he definitely has skeletons in the closet. No, yeah. He's a straight white guy. They all have skeletons in their closet. No, I mean, they're not even in the closet. His skeletons are, like, out of the closet. He has, like... A lot of his early comedy is about people thinking... I mean, that song, it's like, my whole family thinks I'm gay. But he really leans into that a lot in some of his earlier stuff. And he's definitely a little self-satisfied about not being offended by people thinking he's gay but it's like overcompensated by the fact that he keeps bringing up that he's not offended by people thinking he's gay to the point where it's like let's just move on like we get it you're not gay you're also not offended by people not being gay but he doesn't talk about this in this one so i'm like look the growth he's talked about in his last two specials and now he doesn't so he's wreck he recognizes himself in a way that you would if every single thing you ever made or a lot of things you made are still living on the internet and people are still consuming <laughs> so, them from when you're yeah. 16 that's terrifying that's terrifying so i know we talked a little bit about you know the the struggle of describing this to people and being excited about it but also not really sure what they're going to take away from it or if they're going to like it but it does seem universally the people who i've been able to convince to watch it have all liked it on various levels no one's been like i couldn't get through it or i didn't like it but what's interesting to me is how different people relate to it or like what they take away with it you know like the basic like facetime my mom or white woman's instagram stand out as some of the funnier things where people are just like oh this was really funny this is sort of how um i was you know got into this special but but a lot of the relatability is definitely in this is what I felt like during COVID because so much of it right. is just being alone or being in this room or feeling disconnected or relying on the internet like we talked about. But a lot of it is also people who have experienced certain mental health issues, specifically depression or anxiety, have pulled out certain bits or certain songs and been like, this is what my my anxiety feels like. There's one bit where he's... He sings a song and then he's doing a satire of a reaction video where he's reacting to his own song. And then he just keeps like reacting to the reaction to the reaction to the reaction. And he's yeah. criticizing and judging himself over and over again. And one of my friends was like, this is the most accurate portrayal of what my anxiety feels like. And yeah, is that that's that's the song that's called shit where he's like, wake up at 1130 feeling like a bag of shit or. Oh, that's a different song. But yes, I also think that song. She's just like, was, I haven't showered in the last nine days or I just remember staring at this. He just talks about staring at the ceiling, waiting for this feeling to go away. And I just remember so many days like after work in the pandemic where I'm just like in my room, literally my parents, I was like looking at the ceiling fan and I was like, oh, my God. Well, I feel like shit. Oh, shit. Feeling like a saggy, massive sack of shit. Yeah. And that and that's where I think a lot of, you know, in a very smart way on his part, I think a lot of his songs or, you know, some of the things he says, I don't, it's not that I don't believe it's coming directly from him, but I also think he knows what the human experience is and what the conversations yeah. are. And then he puts it to this catchy beat where everyone can relate to feeling like shit at some point during the pandemic. And then there's also a bit 
that people don't talk about as much because it wasn't a song, but he's sort of goofing on Twitch or these videos that people make where they're playing a video game and people are literally just watching them play the video game. And he is both the person playing the video game and the character in the video game and the character in the video game is in this room and you know he's trying to get out of the room and basically you know trying to figure out what he can do in the room and at the end of it it's like okay the day's ended and all he was able to do was cry four times play the piano and find a flashlight and it was like (laughs) day complete and I was like this actually sounds like certain days I had during the pandemic where it's like, what'd you do like the, today? And it's like, uh, I don't know. I cried four times to play the piano and fell asleep. Like, <laughs> that, that was a full day during um, COVID. And then there was also, you know, the, the fake video game company was SSRI Interactive. Presents, oh, was, yeah. Very smart. Very smart. A uh, very clear reference to antidepressants. So he knows his audience, but depending on what you take away from it. So, Maybe you you do feel seen by this because you went through something or you going through mental health issues or you feel like the song All Eyes on Me is literally what it sounds like when your depression is talking to you, which a lot of people have commented on in this kind of scary, like disembodied voice where it's like it's like it's just sometimes it does feel like watching the special is sort of like an out of body experience. Are you feeling nervous? Are you having fun? It's almost over, it's just begun Don't overthink this, look in my eye Don't be scared, don't be shy Come on in, the water's fine You kind of feel like you're high watching it, but you're not (laughs) You're like, I mean, you could be high, that's also a possibility But um, you kind of do feel like you're in this like alternate universe consuming this content And also I think the weird thing is that He never actually mentions the pandemic or anything during this entire special at all so it, it's very weird because you jump back into that feeling immediately as you watch him in this room and it, you see him all scruffled up and you're like, oh God, he's in that place. Which I think is the reason that a few people that I told to watch this were just sort of like, I can't watch this right now because I'm out of that place and I don't, I don't really want to visit someone sitting in their room singing on a piano or whatever it is. So I think there's like, a back and forth in that aspect too where people are like this doesn't feel like a comedy special because this looks just like dark and he's sitting in a room like singing by himself and I don't want to be back there we're vaccinated now and the city's back right. baby <laughs> well and that's where the double entendre is too because as you said he doesn't mention it's covid or the pandemic so it it could be seen i could just hand this to you and say this is an entire you know um What's the word I'm looking for? This is an, an entire one man performance art that's about being depressed. Right. We all felt like we were locked, we were locked in the rooms or we were locked in our houses. And, you know, maybe it's evoking feelings of claustrophobia, but I don't know. For me, it's more the I don't want to see like the Grey's Anatomy storylines about treating the people during COVID. Like that's a lot more <laughs> triggering to me than just uh, you know, certain feelings that we experience during that no, time. Yeah. To me, I, I agree. I'm in the same boat. When like the TV shows are like they have their first case of COVID or something. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't. Or any of the reality shows where the Kardashians are like, so there's this virus in China and it doesn't look so serious. But I think Fashion Week is still happening. And I'm like, nope, don't want any part of this. Know how this plays out. I'd rather watch this special where I'm like, at least we're in it already. It doesn't feel like, I don't know. I think there's a part of me that appreciates that he doesn't actually address it. 
He does a really good job touching on a lot of the issues that were going on in the world, aside specifically from the pandemic. But there's an entire song that sounds like it's, you know, a Sesame Street song for kids where he's talking to a sock puppet called The Way the World Works. That's so literally soccer. about. Yeah, it's, it's about racism. Fat is how the world works. Really? Fat is how the world works. Genocide, the natives say you got to it first. That's how it works. That's pretty intense. And then there's an entire bit about being a brand ambassador when a brand <laughs> is trying to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to advocate for these important causes. Where, you know, he's like, who are you trying to be? Bagel Bites. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the like, question is not if you want to buy Wheat Thins. It's if you support Wheat Thins in the fight against Lyme disease. Well, it's right. It takes you back to that place when you started. You had those memes during the pandemic where it was like, you know, here's Marshalls coming out with like their anti-racism policy. It's just sort of like, oh, my God, what's happening? Every single person is in all this conversation, but you're actually not doing anything. You're just releasing these statements. Except for Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's continues to be the best at this. <laughs> Well, and then, of course, there is not one but two entire songs about Jeffrey Bezos. And when I say entire songs, I mean one minute clips. Jeffrey Bezos, CEO, entrepreneur, born in 1964, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> They're the best songs ever. Just some of, amongst some of your... You should play that in the background as he launches himself out into space next month. Isn't that yeah, what I mean, he's that's, what, he's that's all month? I thought of when I saw those headlines. You just hear him in the background. Come on, Jeffrey, you can't do it. <laughs> Born in nineteen sixty-four. <laughs> Outrageous. Um Okay, I think this is a good time to make a, take a break. Okay. Well, one of the things I feel like I've learned since the special came out is that. Generally, there are two groups of people when it comes to Bo Burnham. People who have been fans of his and following him for a long time and people who have no idea who he is. One of the biggest indicators of this is how many people have the reaction of, is Bo Burnham okay after they watch this special? Because they're like, who is this guy? I just watched a documentary of him having a nervous breakdown and it's all real and someone needs to check on him. And... I think if you have been familiar with some of his work and some of the interviews that he has done beforehand, and full disclosure, I have not been there since the beginning. And sorry to Molly, who has been trying to get me into him for quite some time, and I have been distracted by other things. But um, he has talked a lot about what you see is an exaggeration of who he really is, whether he's on stage performing in, you know, some of the other stand-up specials that he's done or just, you know, presenting himself in a certain type of way that it's exaggerated, that he likes to play into certain feelings and to, you know, dramatize them. He's like, I'm a performer. This is art. He has an entire song that's called Art is Dead, but also has said many times that art isn't real. A lot of times in his other specials, he makes jokes and then is like, oh, you thought that was real. You thought I accidentally knocked over that water bottle, but that was actually on purpose and everything you see is a lie. So I hold on to that much more than, oh, he must have been having a nervous breakdown. And that's the reason why he was able to produce this. Not that it really matters at the end of the day. I also think like we're in a place where it doesn't matter. I agree. We're 
I think it's okay if he's not okay. And also, are any of us okay right now? We're coming off of a year of pandemic. And in general, I think as a society, we've become so much more accepting of, guess what? People have anxiety and depression regardless of a global pandemic. These are things that happen to people on a regular basis. And I think him leaning into it and having this very like intellectual way of explaining or this comedy special that he's like woven this you know, mental illness or or his own human experience and kind of also for people in general to relate to, I don't, like, it doesn't beg the question if he's okay. I'm mostly just like, yeah, he seems like pretty normal if something's going wrong. Seems like he's having a bad fucking day and we've all had one of those. So it, I feel like the question wasn't for me, at least coming out of it, if he's okay, I'm more of just like, yeah, this makes sense. Because it's like, he was just saying shit that we were all like, yeah, sometimes I do feel like a bag of shit or like whatever. I never thought he's insane. I mean, there's moments where I thought maybe like he should put on some pants, but uh, outside of that, I was like doing okay. Right. Well, and I think it's more, and again, we talked about that before he's talked about his own mental health and having panic attacks and anxiety. So it is documented that he has experienced intense anxiety before. So it's not like he has no experience with it, but I think much more it's a testament to his ability to see and, you know, observe and feel people and then to sort of present it in a way that feels relatable and also entertaining. And I think he's been able to do this with his other work, like when he wrote and directed eighth grade. Obviously, he does not have an experience of being a middle school woman in 2018 or middle school girl or 2018, whatever that movie came out. But it's like this ability to hit the right notes of the human condition to see what people are experiencing and sort of hold it up as a mirror of you know, what's actually going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I completely agree. But he also, I mean, it's just so interesting, though, because he has this ability, like you see this whole special and you think you know, you you think you know this person after spending this very intimate hour and a half with him. But then if you watch interviews with him, he seems he is totally different in everything that he's done, which is really interesting to me, the way that he sort of, evolving and reinventing himself and trying different things and in a way it makes it so you can't i think that's part of the reason why a lot of people are like i don't know who that is but then you're like oh did you see promising young woman have you seen this yeah. like oh okay like i i do know that guy i also think the special coming out now and in the midst of like tiktok where things the you know kind of like the trajectory of how quickly things can go viral on the internet i don't know if the conversation would have been as much if you know, the Instagrams and the TikToks weren't like taking over because prior to this, I mean, he's clearly done stuff, but there was, I, I don't really feel like people were hanging on to him. Whereas I feel like after this special, it's like, oh, I want to know what he does next. Right. Well, and I had seen some of the songs, his original songs from past specials showing up a little bit on TikTok, but obviously now when he's creating this whole wealth of new songs that everyone feels are relatable but also are total earworms like these are great catchy songs that is perfect translation to tiktok because now everyone's like oh i want to use these songs as tiktok sounds so it's sort of like he's rebelling against this whole idea of living your whole life on the internet or you know having a performer this is you know what he reckons with but um he also knew this was going to happen no, yeah. When you know he releases on Netflix, he's very aware of this. So and he and he knows that when he releases all these catchy songs and puts them on YouTube and puts them on the internet, that people are going to glom onto them. And this is you know the hyper intense way that we share everything. No, and I think he created a body of work that is very easily like 
can become a TikTok sound. It can become like an Instagram meme. It can become a GIF. Like he's created little bits of content within like a large piece of content that's like you can use anywhere where it's like a little bit of everything all of the time where I'm like seeing <laughs> like memes everywhere, GIFs everywhere. So it's almost, yeah, I think he's like super aware of what he's put out, which I think in the past I've always been like, oh yeah, that one guy. But now I'm like, oh, Bo Burnham, I am officially a fan and will follow your career trajectory going forward. You're going to follow him right to Sesame Street. It is funny to think that he's going to be writing songs for a Sesame Street movie, whereas on the one hand, some of these songs... Slightly horrifying. Well, some of these songs you're like, oh, like that's how the world works. Like with different lyrics, that is literally a great Sesame Street song. And a lot of his songs just have that, you know, sort of catchy, upbeat um, thing. But it it is weird to to see this and then be like, oh, now he's going to write, you know, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, you expect to be writing songs for Sesame Street because he's not examining his own darkness um but then also he's gonna play larry bird in an hbo series about the celtics which that to me not that i don't think he's a good actor but it does feel a little bit like tall man's privilege well yeah i mean well larry bird's like six nine so he even even um bo burnham is not to where larry bird is but also to me because i view bo burnham as i think he's just like a dorky tall white guy i don't see like a nba legend i don't it's like hard to imagine not yet yeah he's gonna prove me wrong how many actors do they even have who are six five like they can use greg from succession just dye his hair blonde oh god cousin greg (laughs) i mean talk about someone who's dorky nicholas braun no nicholas braun can never nicholas braun is less dorky than bo burnham to me in real life Really? I disagree. Did you watch yeah, an entire video about the antibodies? Yeah, but like in interviews and stuff, he comes off like less chaotic dork than Bo Burnham. Both very endearing, but you know, I don't know. Either way, I'm really excited for that Larry Bird movie and outside of whoever's playing. I'm just, I like stuff like that. So Yeah. And then- give it to me. Give me the content. Give it all. Give it to me all, all the time. A little bit of everything <laughs> all the time. And then finally, we just have to mention part of, you know, to round out the entire, the full picture of, you know, all all the facets of Bo Burnham that are interesting. He has also been in a relationship with Lorene Scafaria, who is a very accomplished director and screenwriter. She directed Hustlers and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World and um, The Meddler and wrote them. And they're like a real power couple. I don't think a lot of people knew that. No, I had no idea until you told me just now. She also That's dated wild. Adam Brody, who was also in Promising Young Woman. Oh, God. A complete loop. We've really come full circle here. Adam Brody's pretty special. He opens the movie only like he can. We have a history. Um, wait, why am I talking? <laughs> <laughs> well, overall, we recommend you check out Bo Burnham Inside if you haven't already. It's on Netflix. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll have an existential crisis. And some interesting conversations with your friends after. All right, Becky, you ready for your burning question? Mm, I guess. If you were had to be stuck on an island, which terrible PR couple would you choose? Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker or Kanye West and Irina Shake? Well, are Kanye West and Irina Shake even really dating? They're definitely in France on an island together. Uh... I guess Kanye West and Irina Shayk. Huh. I, I don't have any interest whatsoever in Irina Shayk, but Kanye West seems like he would bring some level of 
entertainment to entertainment. help pass the time. <laughs> and I would rather listen to Kanye West perform anything than Tra- Travis Barker can only drum. And I assume we don't have access to a drum. And I don't want to hear about Poosh. So that's my. <laughs> you don't? No. That's my final answer. DJ play Problematic by Bo Burnham. I'm problematic. It's a problem. When I was 17 on Halloween, I dressed up as Aladdin. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Have something to share? Email us at notoveritpopsugar.com. Not Over It is a podcast from Pop Sugar and iHeartRadio. It is hosted by me, Becky Kirsch, and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Lisa Sugar and Brett Kushner. Thanks for listening. 